Sad, 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 what up everybody this is Ed Lover welcome to another come on son the podcast for this Monday how's everybody doing today I hope everybody's fine I hope everybody's well fed hope you got a belly full of food I hope your weekend was the shit I hope you thoroughly enjoyed your broadcast um shout out to my girl Shamela it was her birthday weekend and she told me she can't listen to my podcast because I cuss too much so Shamela I'm gonna try to uh cut down on the cussing no, the fuck I'm not. I'm lying. It's my podcast. It's the way I like to speak. It's my chance to be free. And that's the reason why I love doing a podcast, because I can be free and I can talk about anything that I want to talk about. And it really doesn't matter what it is. That's what I, I love about it. And I want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in. You guys have been very, very supportive of this podcast from the very beginning. There's a lot of people now that are jumping into the arena of podcasting. Um, uh, and I really, I, I didn't want a podcast, man. I really had no intentions of podcasting until I did Jack's podcast, rest in peace, combat Jack. Um, he came to Atlanta and we did a podcast together. He asked me to be a, a special guest on his live podcast. And I thought I was going to be, um, one of many people that he'd be talking to that day. And it turns out that it was just me and him for two hours in front of an audience. And after we finished and, and he released the podcast and it got such a good response and a lot of people just walking up to me out of the sky blue going, Ed Love, I heard your podcast with Combat Jack. I decided to take the advice of my executive producer, Krista Hayes, and my manager, Kimana Paulus, and do a podcast. But I only wanted to do a podcast if I could podcast on Combat Jack's um on his platform. So him and I had a conversation and uh, he told me what the important parts of podcasting were. Um, one of them is consistency. You got to put it out at the same time all the time because people look for it. And um, we decided to start podcasting. And so far it's been absolutely phenomenal. And you guys have been more than accommodating. You've been more than supportive, uh, you guys and girls. So thank you to combat Jack and forever rest in peace, combat Jack and, that guy was really, really special. Like, he really kicked the door down for podcasting, for us to be successful at podcasting. And um, a lot of people came through that door because of him. And there's a lot of podcasts that you can listen to. There's a lot out there on the market. There's a lot in the marketplace. Matter of fact, it's, it's getting so crowded, it's ridiculous. Everybody thinks that they can podcast. But quite honestly, everybody's not interesting enough to do a podcast, nor are their subject matter good enough to do a podcast. So big shout out to uh, Combat Jack forever for getting me really, really interested in podcasting and Ace King and the whole crew for allowing me to continue to do this podcast on the Loudspeakers Network. This podcast is being brought to you by CigarsInternational.com. You hear me say it all the time. Go to CigarsInternational.com for all your cigar needs. Actually, Labor Day weekend, Black Smoke in Miami is coming up. So if you're planning on attending Black Smoke, make sure you go to cigarsinternational.com to get everything that you need, cigars, lighters, everything, anything, holders, uh, humid traveling humidors because you're going to be traveling. So you need your little traveling humidors. You might need some fluid for your lighter. Make sure you go to cigarsinternational.com to get that. And also put in Ed. 10 off when you check out for 10% off your entire order. ED10OFF. Okay? Thanks, cigarsinternational.com. Now, let's get to today's podcast. Today's podcast, or maybe night when you're listening to this. I don't know what time it is where you are. Well, the podcast is about the divide. There is a huge divide when it comes to hip hop and music in general nowadays. It's an age gap. I don't know if it's repairable, and I don't know if we need to repair it. So what I did, just because you won't get one side of it, I brought in somebody who's I've worked with now for almost three years, and she is significantly younger than me, and she keeps me up on what's going on in hip-hop nowadays because a lot of times I tune it out. And um, 
And I, in turn, we teach each other. I teach her about classic hip-hop and why these people are important to hip-hop, and she keeps me up on what's going on. So the lady who's behind the scenes all the time is not on the mic with me again, Krista Hayes. Welcome. Hi. Super producer. Yeah, yeah. She is the, actually the person that produces this podcast, and I was like, you know what, let me... Let me get Krista on today because we uh-huh. need to we need to talk about this because you and I were just together recently at Travis Scott's mm-hmm. um, Astroland release party during Lollapalooza. Astro World. Astro World is the name. <laughs> All right, well, I know. You know what Astroland? You know why I said Astroland? Yeah, because right? Astroland is a park in part of Coney Island in New York. That okay, to, and. That's what my dad used to take us like all the time when we were kids. Okay. We were always like, we want to go to Coney Island. We want to go to Astroland. And they had El Dorado bumping disco there. The they were Astro- bumping cars, bumper cars, you uh-huh, know, I but they played those. like disco music while you were doing Lit. bumper cars. The, so the Astro thing must be a, a thing across the country because the reason why Travis named his album Astro World is because there was an Astro World in Houston. And they closed it down. They closed it down, yeah. Right, and he was Apparently like... Apparently it was legendary. Yeah, and he was like, now there's no place for the kids to go and exactly. ride the rides. It was like Astroland and, and, and uh, Astro World being in Houston was probably like our Astroland, which still stands in Coney Island in New York today. But that's where we went. You know, if if you couldn't go to Six... This is way before Six Flags. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Coney Island was before Six Flags. Before Flight. all that. Yeah, before all that. So the kids of Houston went to Astro World, and we went to Astro Land. So I was saying that to say we did go to the uh, Astro World party together. We saw Travis Scott perform yeah. live at Lollapalooza. He got excited when he saw you. Yeah, he, like, I was. I, a lot of times I'm actually shocked. Like, this is the second time mm-hmm. that I've been shocked by one of these news new age rappers and how much respect that they have for me. Yeah. Overall, the first time was Ray Strummett. Oh, they, but then the Migos too. So yeah, it's and like Migos, the third and time. And the Migos was the third time. Um, what's his name? Uh, the big tall, the tall one that, uh, what is this young man's name? That's a rapper? Thugger. Oh, Thugger. And um, Young Dolph was like that too. Yeah, Young Dolph was like crazy about me. But Thugger was kind of like laid back. Like, I, I didn't know if he was high or not. But <laughs> with those guys, the Migos, Ray Scrimmit, and Travis yep. and Young Dolph were absolutely, like, I was amazed at how much they actually knew about me and knew about my career. But like I said, there is a divide mm-hmm. between the ages when it comes to music nowadays. Why do you think that is? I think it's the shift. Like, you've talked about this before and kind of schooled me on how, you know, decades go by and people grow up and they have a different change and shift in mindset. And I think the biggest difference between music now compared to when, you know, the golden era of hip-hop was in fruition is that, again, there's not the internet completely shifted the dynamic of music and how easy accessible it is Mm -hmm. and how everyone can be a star. Like... And and you all didn't. Did you all have popcorn wrappers yeah. back then? You did. Yeah, you know, you know the the one that we play all the time that I fucking can't oh, stand. Oh, dude, Candyman. Candyman. No, Candyman. Candyman. Yeah. Back by, back yeah. by uh, Tone Loke at the time. So you all had musicians yes. that could go straight to number one on the charts and then completely go ghost a year after. Absolutely. That. That's what we I had feel like. We them. have a we lot. We had a lot of them. There was a um. Oh, man, there was a guy that was a security guard for New Kids on the Block Okay, by the name of Biscuit. He made a record. I forgot which label put it out. It was called Biscuits in the House. Okay. Everybody went crazy for him. Remember Oaktown 357? Okay. Not throwing them under the bus, but they were not the best oh, rappers. Oh, wow. Remember J.J. Fad? I do. What? Okay, J.J. Fad now has a classic hip-hop record. What's the name of that record? Supersonic. No, don't tell me I was going to say it. I was like, I was getting the beat in my head. (laughs) Supersonic. Supersonic. What other J.J. Fad record can you name? Okay, then. There was a lot. um, You see the car commercial. Is it a car? No, it's an NBA commercial about all the smaller guys in the NBA. And and, uh, they got this big, tall guy there. And he's like, I wish I was a little bit shorter. uh Skilo. Skilo. Name me another Skilo record. I can't. Okay, then. So did they profit as much as these rappers are now like for example there's a lot of rappers that go straight to number one on the charts make all of this money blow it and then you never hear from them like they make a lot of money for them to only have one song i think that 
there wasn't the amount of touring as there yes. is now. Like you had to be major yes. to tour. Like you had to be Run DMC, LL Cool J, Beastie Boys, Fat Boys, um, Public Enemy, right. um, Stetson Sonic, Tribe Called Quest was which was later on after that. Um, there wasn't the amount of money as there is now. Yeah, that's definitely shift, not that. Again, your the key word here is shift because the money that I feel like that's mostly generated now compared to back then is you we used to physically walk in the record store and physically lay down hard cash for a record or an album or a tape or a single or whatever. And now with it again being so accessible with these music platforms and YouTube that we're spending our money on shows. Right. So I think that's where a lot of, you know, this influx of sudden income comes is because these people drop a record, it's soaring, it goes viral, and then you want to see them live and mm. then you want to go to a show. So yeah. there's a there's a big shift. I agree. For sure. I, I, I agree hundred percent, but that's always happened in music. Even if even if you go back to the days of the people that my father liked, like Chuck Berry and and uh oh, yeah. all of those guys and um Fats Domino, James Brown. Well, James Brown controlled his own destiny so he made a lot of money yeah but a lot of those artists back then they got jerked and they would sell a lot of records when the record company wouldn't give them their money and let me tell you it, it it was happening also in the 90s and this is the way the record company freaks it and a lot of people don't know about why the internet is so important to music now compared to back in the days where the record company needs you more than you need the record right company, right because the record company would give you, this is how the record company worked, and this is how they jerked you. They would give you money to do your album, but before you made money, they had to re, they have recoup. a recoup. Mm-hmm. They had to get back the money that they gave you to make your album, get back the money that they sent you out on a promo tour mm-hmm. for, get back the money for your promotions, like for posters and, and everything, for your videos, mm-hmm. everything. They have to get all of that money back. And then after they recoup all of that money, whatever percentage rate you worked out with the record company is what you got paid on. So only the really big artists that yeah. sold a lot of records were able to tour and support. Mm-mm. So if you even if sometimes if you went gold, you didn't get no money. Mm-mm. And that's 500,000 people that laid down their actual money to get your album. And I got and I can prove it to you quite easily because if you look it up, Dre and I put our backup off me album on Relativity Records and we went gold. I have never received a wow, royalty check. Wow, dead ass. Dead ass. When they counted it all up, they swore that we spent more money than we made. And I just don't believe it. But it went gold. It went 500,000 people bought that And you album. didn't get a dollar. Not a single dollar. I made my money from the record, from the advance. We were smart enough to take our money from the advance. And I knew I was going to make no money when I signed the deal. That's breathtaking. I want to. I want to. You made a really good statement earlier about like Chuck Berry and like the OGs. I felt like there was a lot of time for them to marinate and just relish in their glory. Versus now, it's like literally we were all on SZA, literally just six months ago, and then there's LMI, and now she is, is that everything. Her name, LMI? LMA, LMI. I don't know if it's LMI or but LMA, but I know she sounds just yeah. like SZA. It, it, to me, there's a lot of similarities there, and that's that kind of popcorn effect, not necessarily just in the rap industry, but it's here one day, and then we, ha- we have so much ADD, we can't focus on one, there's someone else tomorrow. Like with Etta James, she had a good reign, like a good, like, there could yeah. be other women out there, like Billie Holiday, like there's other people, but... It wasn't like there was a statement made there, like that's Etta James. So now it's like we were just on SZA. Now it's this person. Then it's going to be, you know, Jordan next week. And then this person. And it's just I can't keep up. And that to me, again, I, I like to contribute to the shift in music. I don't I don't feel like it was like that back then. No. Why do you well, why do you think that you still even though there's a big shift in music, why do you think there are? icons that come i have my own opinion but i want to hear your opinion why do you think you have people that are going to be icons in this music business that is of your generation like beyonce Mm -hmm. and rihanna why do you think that is i think they have talent like hardcore tangible i can touch it i can feel it i can hear it taste it talent but I also feel like that they had a foundation they didn't just come out of nowhere i think a lot of people that 
we think are going to be historic or here for a while and they don't is because, again, it was an overnight sensation. With Brianna, we weren't paying attention. We were paying attention to Rihanna a little bit. Not but she had a, Play was not a big, big, gigantic It was a record. good song, right? It was right? a great song, but, but people weren't going Rihanna crazy when Ponda exactly. Replay But when out. she they went weren't. bad, bro, like when she, Jay-Z pulled up on her and was like, you need to switch it up, get a little bob cut, get some tattoos, and be a good girl gone bad, that to me stamped the fact that she was going to be iconic. I was like, it was kind of like what, this is what Christina Aguilera tried to do. It's what Pink did. It's what Pink, but she did like the opposite. Like Pink right. kind of wanted Pink was, to be Pink was h- bad hip-hop. girl, hip hop when she and came out. And then went out, pop. And then she went pop crossover. And was over it. I thought Pink was good. I mean, but Pink is, you know, obviously iconic in her own right. But Yeah, absolutely. Rihanna, yeah, Christina Aguilera literally tried to do the good girl gone bad thing and it mm. went south for her. Right. So it was almost as if like Jay-Z or the label or whoever saw what not to do and strategically set it up for Rihanna to just have, you know, be successful. So I think there's foundations for Drake. There was kind of a, fo- a foundation of, all right, so I saw what Lil Wayne did over the past 10, 15 years and this is what made him successful, you know, doing these features and taking these old trap songs that nobody's paying attention to and hopping on them mm-hmm. and help them blow up, you know, free plug Migos. So it's like, I think there's a solid foundation for people who are going to be here for a very long time. Kendrick Lamar, you know what I mean? He had that early co-sign from Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. you know, J Cole, you know, had the early co-sign from being with the label with Jay-Z, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We're rock so nation. That foundation to me really what solidifies someone being I think Drake I think with Drake when it comes to Drake and I really enjoy Drake's music and I don't think there's a divide when it comes to super talented people Mm -hmm. I think people my age love Drake and I know that they do I know it for a fact that we respect Drake we love him Mm -hmm. for men Drake's a little too Mm -hmm. soft for us sometimes Mm -hmm. because he puts out a lot of records that are female Mm -hmm. driven but to me, Drake is a reincarnation of LL Cool J. Yeah. To me, Drake is doing what LL did. LL saw a niche. LL was like, okay, Absolutely. I can't out, I can't out, you know, cool run DMC. They got the black hats, they got the Adidas, they got the leather jackets, they got the name buckles, they got the big chains. Mm-hmm. I can't outdo them that way. And that's what he tried to do when he first came yeah, out. Yeah, he can't, couldn't out-cool Wayne. Like, right. He couldn't, he couldn't out-cool cool Wayne. So what he said was, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to the women. There you go. And that's what LL did. For every hardcore record Run DMC made, LL came with a record for females, right? Because yes. I asked Run one time, I said, Run, who was your stiffest competition? We were doing a, um, a commercial for uh, Beats um the beats, it was it was for the beat streaming. Okay. At the time. And I, and I was talking to him and I always had questions I wanted to ask Ron. And we were in a relaxed setting. So mm-hmm. I just started asking him questions. And he said it was LL Cool J because yes. he was like, when we put out Peter Piper and we thought we had it on lock, LL came with I Need Love and totally mm-hmm. knocked our socks. Switch your whole vibe. Up. Right. Switch your whole vibe. And then LL found that that's what he was good at. LL found that dad, I need love, I, I round away girl. Mm-hmm. Every record that he's ever made that's female leaning, he's won. Yeah. Every absolutely. time. Every, so you got to get the men mm-hmm. and then you got to have the females. And that's exactly what Drake is doing right yeah. now because everybody else was misogynistic. I was just going to say that. I was just thinking like what year Drake came out. It was like that right after the snap movement. So it was a lot of Lil John, a lot of three, six mafia, mm-hmm. a lot of eight ball and MJG, like a lot of stripper focused music, a lot, with of, heavy beats, a lot of yin yang. Let me twins. see your titties. And then shake all of a ass. sudden Drake is coming out like, come right here. Set your bag down. Like just very like right. considerate. That's of LL. Women. Yeah. That's LL. That absolutely. is absolutely. LL Yeah. He he did stuff where he, he spoke directly and he that. respected the shit out of women. Yeah. And he spoke directly to them like, hey, I want to be with you. I'm vulnerable. Yep. I'm in love with you. Why are you not answering my phone? Mm-hmm. You know, he did Drake R&B'd hip hop. He did. I was just going to say that only R&B artists are really doing that. He Jodeci'd yep. hip hop. He silked hip hop. Yes. He took all of those great elements from the music that we love that we weren't getting in hip hop. Mm-hmm. And he put them into hip hop and he made it melodic yep. as hell. And beat, beat heavy, bass heavy. And that just Bass heavy and melodic. Helps. And it still works. And mm-hmm. But then on the other side, he also shows you that I can rap. 
And he also did something that every great rapper has to do. You have to be in a big ass battle. Whether you win or lose really doesn't mm-hmm. make a difference because we all thought, we all thought, oh boy, was over with after Drake bought Meek. him. Meek Mill. Now Meek came back. And he came back. And he he's came fine. back. Fire. Fire, for sure. Fire. And for that's sure. another one. That's another person that I think my generation respects. Meek we respect. Mill? Yes. They're total different spectrums, though. It's crazy how your generation can respect this side of the fence when it Wayne, comes to rap and Wayne, then it's Meek Rick Mill. Ross, yeah. Meek Mill, we love Lil Wayne, yeah, right? Wayne's Meek Mill, Drake. Bananas. It's it's a totally different spectrum of hip-hop. If you think you can pinpoint it, when did that shift, and I have my opinion, I'll tell you when I think. When the shift happened to what they call, I don't call it that, but a lot of people call it mumble rap. Okay. When do you think that happened? When do you think the shift happened to people just being famous off of one or two songs? Soldier Boy. Exactly no, my Soulja point. Boy, but I mean, but Soldier Boy did yeah. have more than one or two songs, but eventually he, he did, did validate he, that. Like, let me YouTube. pull up, just show up. But you know, his, his was strategic. He knew what he was doing with that YouTube thing. You saw that there was yeah. a, he like put out a documentary talking about how he used to manipulate the keywords on the back end of YouTube. So every time you would type in something on YouTube, it would be Soldier Boy, oh, and it wow. would all it would just automatically just play. So he on purposely did that. But I do feel like Soldier Boy did set the precedence of just taking advantage of all this free internet. I and like just putting Boy. out what you want. I like Soldier Boy. He had some hits as a person. Yeah, I've been hits. around Soldier Boy for a lot, but Soldier Boy to me was a trash ass. Yeah, rap. but he spawned, and I mean, he spawned. He I spawned mean, all the rest of the Justin trash. Justin Bieber wouldn't be here if Soldier Boy didn't take advantage of, of the, the way freeness to and to manipulate. Yeah. Like Justin yeah. Bieber became YouTube famous. He did what Soldier Boy is deserving of is opening up the internet to mm-hmm. artists that don't need record companies to Correct. move to move units or to be heard. He deserves all the credit in the world for that. But he also opened the door for everybody who can't rap to think that they can yeah. rap. Justin Bieber is a whole like totally a, different yeah, bird is. because he's actually talented. Mm-hmm. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and you know, come on. I mean, we got some songs that we love. From Soldier Boy, but Soldier Boy is not going to be in the realm of a no, Rihanna or a J no. Cole or or Kendrick Lamar and or any guy or any of the, and we got those guys. Those guys are there. Rhapsody is out there. We yes. respect the shit out of her. We respect 3D Not T. We respect J Cole. But it's just something about the trap music that is almost to the point where you can't. I don't know where that divide is between us because we love Gucci. Yeah, you know how much Gucci's I love Gucci. Gucci's like the godfather. Gucci but pretty much we is love the godfather Jeezy. of this. We love Jeezy. We love T.I. We love them. Yeah, there's a defi- there's a fine yes. line between the 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 G or the T.I., the young Jeezy, the outcast. And the little pumps. The- and then there's pops. Pump, then there's Trippy Red, then there's Trippy Yachty, Red. then there's Yeah, there's I think, XXX, who I thought was talented. Yeah. But then but then you got um Six Nine, Takashi Six Nine, who's a New York rapper, matter of fact. That's He's a whole different I have one thing that I have never seen before, ever, and I love hip hop. I mean, since I was a child, but one thing I have never seen is a trash rapper pull up and own the fact that he's just doing this for fun like that's one thing that six nine is very like we was just in the studio fucking around and then i made a hit i made a number one hit and it's like wow like he's, heard, no, he's even aware the first person i ever heard say that was waka flocka flame he's, i had waka flocka on the radio wow. and, he, and i asked him when are you dropping an album and he said i'm not dropping the album yet i'm not ready to drop an just, album. Just, he said i'm making these records right. these records are ringing off and I'm happy with that. Why should I drop an album so my shit can go wood? He said, I'm going to ride this out for as long as I can. Right. He said, I know I'm not the best rapper. And remember, people got mad at him for that. Yeah, he did. He said, I know I'm not a good rapper, but I'm not trying to be a good rapper. Yeah. He was just like, again, I'm just I'm just remembering his interview that, you know, he did with Angie Martinez talking about 6 9 He was just very, like, nonchalant. Just very, like, I'm here. Y'all are giving me money. Yachty did that a little bit too. Lil Yachty did openly state yeah. that he didn't, he was just kind of using hip hop culture to cross over and, and profit from it. But people are it. so serious about yeah, hip hop culture. Man, they are so, people are so, it, yeah, because people had to, 
we had to fight to be mm-hmm. recognized as a real music. We had to we had to battle with critics. I mean, I'm a jazz fan too, but I can remember one time when Wynton Marsalis himself, the one of the greatest trumpeters that we've ever seen, a guy that I watched in my best friend's basement jam with his brother Brian, who was a vibraphonist and a great musician in his own right. I remember an interview with him when he said hip hop was trash and it wasn't real music and there's nothing musical about it. And I felt so hurt because I respect what he does on the trumpet as a former trumpet player myself and and a hip hop enthusiast and a person who loves hip hop and an ambassador for hip hop. As I got older, you know, to say hip hop was trash really hurt me. And I don't want to be that person that says that about the new generation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, a lot of it I don't think is good. And I think it's okay not to think a lot of it is right. good. Right. A lot of kids are sheep. They think that if the beat's good, if the 808 is thumping, if it sounds good in a the car, they will completely zone the fuck out from the words and just be straight all about the melody. Gucci, uh, what's his name? Pump is really good at that. Pump can literally, like, mumble but his beats are so melodic and so entertaining and a vibe. You, you've told me about it's this the vibe. It's a vibe. I, I, I understand that now. And and for anybody older that's listening to this podcast, if you're in your late 30s, early 40s, there's one thing you have to understand. Even if you're in your late 40s, early 50s, you have to understand that it's about a vibe mm-hmm. with these kids now. It's no, we come from lyrics. Mm-hmm. We come. That's the reason why we love Eminem. That's the reason why we watch The Cypher on BET. That's the reason why we love Staley. That's the reason why we love anybody that's on. I love Staley, though. Yeah, Staley. I'm sorry. The reason why we love Staley. This is the reason why we love Vince Mesa. Vic Mensa. Vic Mensa. It's early, guys. It's early. What did I call Vince Mesa. I'm sorry. Did you see him at Bud Billiken on Saturday? No, I I didn't get a chance to see him. Bud Billiken is one of the big back to school parade that happens here in Chicago every year. It's been going on since 1929. Crazy. And it's crazy. So I didn't get to see him. But those are the reasons why we love Dave East. Those are the reasons, yes. the same reason why I love the hieroglyphics that come from, from the Bay Area from back in the days, 93 till infinity and all of that. That's the reason why we love them because they were lyric-based mm-hmm. artists. And there's still a lot of lyric-based artists. Like so Kendrick. Kendrick's very lyric Kendrick is fire. Based. J. Cole is fire. We J. mentioned Cole. some of the more popular ones. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of actually lyric-based dudes that's doing gospel that you wouldn't even know was gospel yeah, is so crazy. You're right. You're absolutely right. right. What's the tall kid's name? Lecrae. Lecrae. He's phenomenal. Andy Minio is. Yeah, Andy Minio is ridiculous. Fire and it's absolutely. gospel, y'all. And it, and you would you word, would listen man. to it, and you wouldn't even know that you listen in the gospel. It's not gospel in the most traditional sense of the word. And these are pioneers of gospel hip hop that has to fight against the system of old school church. To get yeah. the message out there. And I knew it was going to come to that. I knew someday church and, 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 and rap. I mean, DMX yeah. was giving you that best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. DMX was doing prayers on his album, man. Absolutely. But I, I don't know if we need to close the generational gap nope. in music. I don't think so. No, not at all. I, I think don't think so. because detrimental. Listen, when I grew up, um, my parents had their music and I had my music. Really? Yeah, I remember my but I respected their music. But I remember my father listening to Rapper's Delight, mm-hmm. um, Kumo D, stuff like that that we used to play in the house. Even some of the tapes I used to get before hip-hop was actually on record and go, that's not, what is that? That's not. No way. That ain't music? Yeah, that's beat, do the do bop ba bop but the scooby the do I can do that. That ain't music. I'm like, Dad, it's rap, man. It's it's hip hop. It's a culture. It's yeah. Just, and he just didn't get it. They he, didn't get it. He didn't get it at all. I, I did it. I listened to everything that my mom and dad played. Heavy D was my dad's absolute favorite artist. <laughs> my mother of all liked Heavy D too. Time. And I remember that blue cover, Waterbed Hev. I, right. I kept it in my hand. My parents listened to a lot of old Snoop Dogg, a lot of right. NWA. Anything that was on vinyl was all R&B, so we played like R&B, but the only thing that I didn't listen to that my parents played a lot, well, nothing, I listened to everything. The only thing they didn't listen to that I listened to was pop because I was into the Backstreet Boys and Spice Girls, but no, I I emulated my mom and dad's music vibe. Like, they played music all the time. Did you have music in school? Yes. 
You not, not like regular music, like the recorders, xylophones. Yeah, like, was there instruments? In yes. Your, okay, mm-hmm. so you could take a music class and learn to play an instrument. Yes, I played the flute and, for okay. like eight years. All right, see, yep. now that's what I think is partly the cause of the breakdown in the generations. Because I think the young kids who are 17, 18, and 19, they don't get music in school. They, they took, cut the music programs. They cut the music programs. And I think cutting the music programs has added to the generational yes. differences in music. And I'm going to tell you why. You played flute in school. Mm-hmm. I played trumpet mm-hmm. in school. The music that the music teachers gave us was older music. Absolutely. So you learn to enjoy and appreciate stuff that came before you. Absolutely. Because you learned it. And it was like, oh, my God, this is this and this and that. And then we would take stuff and funk it up a little bit. Absolutely. You know what I mean? We would have the drummer drop a nasty beat, and we would take Beethoven. I remember, um, I can't remember the name of the artist, but if I could find the record, um, maybe we could play a snippet of it on this podcast. It was called The Fifth of Beethoven. Beethoven. Mm-hmm. And after we did it in school, somebody actually recorded it, right? And put it out. And it became like a dance hit. It was like And that's what we was doing in school. But that's how we learned to appreciate music. The music that came before us. We appreciated that music so much. Matter of fact, I got I found it on YouTube. Y'all check this snippet out. Wow. See how funky that was? Absolutely. We appreciate the music. And you as a flute it's player, pure. you appreciated the music that came before you. Mm-hmm. Taking the music programs out of school, you took that away from the kids that would learn to maybe play a Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. Do you do you know what Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do? Absolutely. Do, do you Re, think that Mi, you could Fa, go to a kid La, right Ti, now? And at, so we had music classes early as kindergarten. So I remember one of the first things that put me onto really the concept of good, good quality music mm-hmm. was the sound of music. Right. The actual movie. Right. So they would play that and we would have to play a lot of those songs on our instruments. Right. In school. But then the, the next week it would be Beethoven or then mm-hmm. it would be about Bach and then mm-hmm. it would be about, you know, all of these influential people who were genuine musicians like physically composing and putting things together. I think that's why I have such appreciation for Prince now, because it still blows my mind when I listen to a Prince song and you say, Krista, he made that whole song from scratch. Right. Like the there's good, no precedence. My, no there's precedence. no precedence of it. There's it blows no, my mind. There's no precedence of, of what he was able to create mm-hmm. on his own. Now, the precedence was other artists. The precedence was for Prince... To be the bad boy he was was Rick James. Amen. And the precedence for Rick James was the kind of music that he learned how to play traveling with different bands and, and Parliament and Funkadelic yes. and Earth, Wind and Fire. All of these were influences on everybody that came behind them. But Prince was cut from a different cloth because different Prince cloth. was a producer. He produced his own music and he wrote his own music and he played all the instruments. If you look at any band that Prince was in, Prince was always the best musician Absolutely. out of everybody in his own group, whether it was the Revolution or whoever else, New Power Generation. He was always the best musician out of everybody. And that's when people played music. But like you, we learned in school very early as early. little children, though, a deer. A female deer, yes. Ray, a drop of golden sun, mm-hmm. right? We learned that, and they gave you an appreciation for music. Yep. And I say all of that to say this. When you took those music programs out of school, when you took instruments away from kids, you stunted the next generation of musicians mm-hmm. that were coming along. Because to me, it would be nothing doper for me. And anybody out here that's listening that's an inspiring artist that want to do something different, it would be nothing doper. Well, Lil Wayne played with it, but he didn't really study it. Uh-huh. It would be nothing doper than to see a rap artist that can rap his ass off and then sit down and rock a piano. Yeah. That would be amazing. The way we go see R. Kelly, the reason why wow. we respect R. Kelly, even though R. Kelly does some Personal fucked up shit, shit yeah. and he's dysfunctional as hell. But the reason why we respect R. Kelly, because at the end of the day, we know R. Kelly will sit at a piano and play and play and kill the reason why we respect beyonce is because beyonce respects music beyonce worked on her vocals 
Beyonce took vocal lessons. Mm -hmm. She's not a flash in the pan. Nope. She outworks your ass yep. to the T. You see Beyonce in rehearsal studios getting her dance steps together with a choreographer. She gives you a performance. The reason why we respect Rihanna is because Rihanna upped her vocal ability. Mm -hmm. Every single time she upped and worked and worked and worked the same way Marvin Gaye did, the same way Aretha Franklin did. And hopefully by the time this Aretha Franklin's very sick. So we want to send out our well wishes to the Queen of Soul, the Gladys Knight did, Amen. Marvin Gaye did, Prince did, Rick James did, Michael Jackson, who is the greatest performer I've ever seen live. That man worked since he was a kid. A child. He sacrificed his childhood so he could work. That's right. To so he can become the to, to, to be the Absolutely. world's greatest entertainer. I mean, to have a guy like Dougie Fresh tell me, and you were there, Crystal, yeah. when he said it. I've never had a job since I was fifteen. Made money off hip hop. That says that's something. Beautiful. That's That's stuff that lasts an entire lifetime. But I want people to realize that taking the music out of the schools took away your sense of history. Mm -hmm. And when you don't respect history. Then you then that's when the divide happens. That's why you have these youngins right now that but ah oh I don't know who that is. I don't want to hear that. And that's they shrug that it off like shit. it's not a big deal. Right. Like you would not have it's like a chain of events. You would not have what you have today if it wasn't for the compositions and music that was made before you were even born. Absolutely. And it can I ask you a serious question? Sure. Going back to the shift, do you consider beat making? like an art of of composing and and making and making music not putting a, an instrument in a room i'm talking about like this like where they have the buttons and you actually press and you're making like a whole beat kind of like what drama boy does i think there's an art to it but i think the best of the best stand out because they can play an instrument mm -hmm. i give you a classic example zaytoven yes Right, yes. Zaytoven plays. He can't. Pl that's right. He, he plays. plays. The so the stuff that he creates is coming from his, his head. Mm -hmm. The way he knows how to manipulate a drum machine mm -hmm. and what he knows how to play with it. So he still gets up every Sunday morning, go to church, and yeah, plays man. a damn organ in his church. So the man can play. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think there's a difference between a beat maker who can create a trap beat and a producer who can produce a whole ass song yeah but quincy jones to me yeah is an amazing producer that could take a song from scratch that somebody wrote and put strings and horns and arrangements and and all of that you can buy them trap beats online mm -hmm. there's just too many people doing it mm -hmm. do you think that's like the evolution of hip-hop is this just it's inevitable like it was just i think it's inevitable for us to go through cycles in hip-hop mm -hmm. um just like i thought it was inevitable for us to go through the you know vanilla ice mc hammer not really great rappers but great entertainers right type of thing i think this is just another phase for for um i noticed that on Nicki minaj's new album mm -hmm. she did an interview with l magazine mm -hmm. where she purposely stayed away from trap beats because she says too many people doing it and she feels like it's saturated and i think what she said about an artist pushing the envelope mm -hmm. of hip-hop is what separates the great ones from the mediocre ones. And any time I, I talk to a, an artist, I always tell them, push the envelope, dude. Prince pushed the envelope. If you hear when doves cry, you never heard anything that sounded like it before. When you listen to Don't Stop Till You Get Enough by Michael Jackson, it didn't sound like anything else. Michael's about melodies. I remember watching it, an interview that... Um, he did, and he said, I'm about melodies. Drake is about melody. Yeah. If there's no melody, Drake ain't doing it. So Nikki said, uh, pusher. You think that her being on a record with 6 9 is her pushing the envelope? I think her being on a record with 6 9 is her doing a modern-day Jay-Z. If Jay-Z felt you was hot and you were hot enough, he'd jump on the record. I still feel like it's sus. I, I don't think anybody's ever going to convince me that her jumping on that Fifi record was a power, like a, a smart move. I think a, that it was it's a move stupid. Keep, didn't it go number one? It did go number one, but it, it Jay Z would. I feel like Jay Z would hop on a record with somebody that had some talent. To me, Takashi's never had a single drip or ounce of talent, and he appropriates our culture for his money and I revenue think so share. Too, but I think it's a different time than when Jay Z was jumping on records. Jay Z didn't jump on Ha with Juvenile because he respected Juvenile. Okay. 
okay. jumped on high because, because he thought it was hot. It was a hot. Jay-Z okay. did not jump on Kanye West because he thought Kanye was dope. Because if you give some history and you go back and you look at interviews with Dame Dash and you listen to Kanye even talk about Big Brother was Big's brother. Mm-hmm. Remember, Jayden wouldn't even give him tickets to the tour. Mm-hmm. And he was creating beats for him. Jay did not sign Kanye West. Dame Dash okay, saw you're it right, and you're signed right. it. But as soon as Kanye got hot, I got it from here, Gabe. Yeah. Damn. Because everybody's like, oh, Google crazy about having Jay-Z on the record because they know Jay-Z's touch is golden and he's going to get you some airplay. But he does it strategically, and I think that's what Nicki was doing and I don't think right now you can care whether people have real talent. You got to go with what's popular. For her to be out as long as she has been and having so much success and being the first black female rapper to cover a major magazine like Vogue or Cosmo, mm-hmm. I feel like it's genuinely beneath her for her to hop on that record. Like I get wanting a number one record coup, okay, but this takes me back to when she had rap beef with Remy Ma when she mm-hmm. couldn't just come at Remy she had to get a feature with Drake and Wayne in order to even be on the same playing field it's like a lot of cop-outs when I old Nikki I felt like when she first came out there was nothing cop-out about her she was just like you know what I'm a bad bitch I'm dope ain't nobody been as bad as me since Lil Kim so I'm coming for Lil Kim like it was just it is what it is but now I feel like that it's a cop-out Nikki like what? Yeah, it's a, it's a it is. It's but a, I mean, I get it. It's like, a cop out because it's a stay relevant at any cost, Nikki. Exactly. Instead of and doing, I feel it like is. She doesn't have to do that. It is. And I don't feel I like think that she had to do that. In this day and age, you do because you get to a certain point and then you turn around and you look to your left and there's Cardi B. So I gotta stay relevant because so Cardi B do is a song with Car- Do a female empowerment would, song with Cardi. I would have absolutely did and a Young female empowerment. Young and May throw some lesbianism awesomeness in yes, there. Like I would have definitely did that. I would at least asked about doing it. And let me tell you something. That's the mistake Kim and Foxy made. Yeah, they wouldn't do uh, that album Thelma and Louise together, and yeah. they were offered all that money. Well, it wasn't according according to Kim. Mm-hmm. It wasn't her. It was Foxy that said, I don't need to do no record with you. You need to do a record with me. And that caused a major rift between them. And you know what happened outside of Hot 97 back in the day? They were shooting at each other and it was crazy. Um, (laughs) D-Rock went to jail for that. I'm happy you're home, D-Rock. real, real, But that female empowerment movement would have been hot. It would have been hot for her to reach out to Cardi or Cardi to reach out to her and say, Let's do an album together. You just put out the Queen album, and you should have Cardi on the album. Literally, but she's not. So I'm not saying Cardi's here to take Nick, uh, Nicki Minaj's place. She I has. Think, I think. I don't know that how long it's gonna last, but she has. She has stepped her foot. She has. in her ass. She has impacted her. I yes, do. When it comes to the sexy, when it comes to the vibe, when it comes to beats and and all that, yes, Nicki finally has some competition, right? Right. But I still feel like. You sh- would show me more. You would show the older generation more. Yeah, but you got to understand. If you didn't stoop the, to the, doing a record with Takashi 69. Right. The funny thing is for us, and, and this cracks me up to, to no end, is that there was a generational gap there for us for like Wayne and I was telling everybody oh, Wayne yeah? was dope and they was getting on me. There was a generational gap there for us for like Wayne, early Drake, that kind of stuff. And now there's a general ga- generational yeah, gap that's for weird. y'all. That's so weird. Because now it's the now the 30-year-olds have a generational gap it. with the 17-year-olds. I get I understand Uzi. I get Uzi. I get Uzi is dope. Sometimes I get a little bit of Yachty. Not a lot, a little bit. Like, I understand. What's but big I, homie name? I don't get a lot of them. Big homie uh, that we worked out of. We worked out of the studio in Atlanta. Drama's, drama's partner. Uh-huh. Cannon. Cannon. Don, yeah. Don Cannon played early Ludi, Lil oh, Uzi yeah. Vert music for me when he, was, when he wasn't even thinking he about a being Philly, a trap yeah. rapper. He was a battle rapper. That dude can rap. And I know it may sound shocking to a lot of older people he that's listening. He is really good. He's really, really He's good. very emotionally in tune with his sound and what he wants to be delivered to his fan base. Yeah, like, he's very I rock good. with that. You I should don't, give him a chance. I don't get NBA Youngboy. Like, I don't get YBN, All Might. Like, I don't get... A lot of these, but you get a boogie with the hoodie. I get a, I like get a crazy. boogie with the hoodie I get too. Him. I get him. I get. Um, I don't get peep. Rest in peace, peep. I didn't understand the peep. I don't get. 
uh, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci. I do not, I can't. I try so hard to just sit (laughs) and listen and even watch his videos, but... You all, I'm very, very, pa- here, here, let me, let me say this to you, boss. Okay. I'm very passionate about cultural appropriation. I don't think that Post Malone is a cultural appropriator. No. But people can call me out and say, but Krista, why? how can you? Because when he first came out, I felt like when I watch Post perform, he puts on a, sh- like he actually is passionate and talks to his audience and sings every single word. Right. He does not stop, take a breath. He doesn't hold his mic out so the audience can see it. When I see Gucci Gang live, mm-hmm, it's, you say four words, then you fall back, smoke your blunt, drink your cup, hit your Newport, then you go back and bounce around, toss your chains. Like to me, that seems like a lot. You're just there for showmanship. Mm. When Post gets on the stage, and and this makes me mad because I was literally the only black female backstage at post show for Lala. And I did not understand because his black fan base was so much bigger when he first came out. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm trying to compare why is it that I feel like Post Malone isn't a cultural appropriator and he's white and came out with braids and did White Iverson and had the girls. But I'm sitting here watching Lil Pump and it's disrespectful. I feel feel disrespected when I watch and listen to him. So I've been trying to decipher like... Why is one a culture vulture and the other one exactly? Isn't? Because I think it's it's the amount of effort and care that you put into the craft. Like when you listen to Post Malone, you actually feel like Post cares about his lyrics mm-hmm. and what he's saying. You think Little Pump is just there to saying, be there, yeah, just to say Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci and Gang, get my a bitch million get hired dollars. on cocaine. Yeah, yeah it, it, and, and they're probably doing the same shit behind scene, behind the doors. You know, like Post is probably you know getting money and doing this and spending frivolously but with pump it just seems different and one thing that i will tell you Ed, is i feel bad because actually post malone did do an article that pissed off a lot of black people basically saying that he doesn't feel like a hip-hop is emotionally tied like if he wants to get emotional he'll go listen to like johnny cash or go mm. listen to a completely different genre of music but i'm like that was that. That's where I felt like he lost a lot of his black fan base because you can't tell me that "Song Cry" by Jay Z doesn't make me emotional, right. or you know, um, "I Really Miss My Homies" by Master P right. makes me emotional. But I don't know, just the whole cultural appropriation thing with this, you know, I just I can't get with it. Yeah. I just I can't. And Takashi's yeah. doing it, and I get that they're minorities too. But rap came from. But Takashi is us. what he's what he's from New York. I thought he was raised in Miami or something. Puerto Rican or something? I don't know. Yes. Puerto Rican and something, so he's a minority anyway. And Puerto Ricans have always been a really big part of hip-hop from from day one. Yeah, you did tell me that. Yeah, they have been, and they always will be. I mean, come on. We can go down the list and name breakdancers. We can name Tito from the Fillers Four. So maybe if he took it seriously. Maybe if Sook Sixtine pulled up and was like, had bars or didn't like... Have this shady ass rape case against him. Like I just feel like that he set himself up for failure, but now it's working because he has this marketing tactic of using his nonchalantness and he trolls. to be successful. And I think that's what attracts a lot of kids in his generation because they're not where you are mentally. Yeah. Like remember, he's speaking to little yeah, kids. Right. That he's speaking to you're the right. nonchalant era. Okay. Let's just do nothing. And it's dangerous. Let's Very dangerous. Nothing. Let's do nothing but get high, live life carefully, smoke out, and and live life carelessly, which is very dangerous because a lot of those young people are setting themselves up for failure later on in life, or they'll end up in jail or fucked not up. Healthy, and it's yeah. not healthy at all. But you are of the mindset now because you're on your own. You're single black female. You pay your own bills. You got your own place. But I still not- like trap shit, though. I love. Love trap music. Me too. I, love I like it too. Lawns is coming from Gucci or somebody yeah. that I can understand. See, Gucci was never the best rapper. Yeah, ever. what is the difference? Why can't we rock you with Gucci the long way? You can understand Gucci's lyrics. It's not the greatest lyric, but you can understand when Gucci says that he gonna pull up in a sick foe, bitch. Hey. I don't give a fuck because I'm the Gucci man, bitch. Hey. You can understand yeah. that better than how about the baby, 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 You know what I mean? Trip. Gucci didn't depend on sound effects. He created sound he effects. He did. Burr. 
Right. He created his own shit that was signature to him. Yes. You know, that's why we love. Remember when Gucci and Jeezy were beefing about who came oh up with? God. Yeah. That was the greatest time, though. Like their rap beef was like probably early days. Like before then was Ja Rule and 50. But when they beefed, I was older. Mm-hmm. So I was like all invested in it. Do you know that's where Come On Son comes from? Yeah. You yeah. told me because of DJ Drama. Because of Drama. Drama. He played. What did he do? He played Gucci Man shit at a um, USDA. Remember uh, Jeezy had USDA? Mm-hmm. USDA yes. party and Drama dropped a Gucci Man record because it was hot. And they got into a beef. But Jeezy paid him. So if I'm paying you, don't drop a motherfucker yeah, that I hate. On, drama. Because that was real beef. Yeah. That beef turned into fucking I Gucci catching a murder case. I knew what he was doing. Or maybe he just was like, it was But he was like, I'm a DJ, and I play the hottest shit. Yeah. And Jeezy's argument was, yeah, you do that, but you don't play him at my party. There's other hot shit that you can play. Literally. Right, that so time, that, yeah, literally. that got me into doing Come On, Son, because I Come On, Son drama for playing Gucci yeah. At a Jeezy and party. look at it now. That's how it all started. Yeah, it's absolutely. But I think part of the generational gap in music, and it's hilarious to me, because it's almost like the generational gap between your generation and mm-hmm. my generation is closed. Because you guys have gotten older, and you you more now appreciate yes, Busta absolutely. and Tribe absolutely. and Rakim and Dougie Fresh and the Furious and Five and all that and LL. Like, I see a lot of 30-year-olds and 33s and 34s and 35 coming to the classic hip-hop concerts and salt and pepper and Mary J. Blige. Y'all are into that shit, but then that next generation behind you, Mm -hmm. y'all not into what the fuck they into. Some, but not all. Because Yeah, some, but not all. Because they even, they look at, and I never thought I'd see this day come, but when you really think about it, you got to respect and go, yeah. They T.I. is old school. Wow. T.I. G.Z. T.I. Yeah. came out in what? G.Z. is two? old school. Chris Brown is old school. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you how I know this. Two? I'm going to tell you how I know this. Chris Brown was just as big a star as Rihanna was. He was huge. He was just as big a star. Chris Brown playing theaters. Chris Brown was bigger than Rihanna I know he point. was. But Chris Brown is album? Chris Brown is doing theaters. Mary J. Blige is doing amphitheaters. Yeah. Mary used to do stadiums. Like Mary used to do the United Center. The only one that I can really put my hands on right now that I can say is 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 Jay Z and Beyonce doing stadiums. Yeah. Rihanna still does arenas mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But when you think about it, when you get older, you see. You don't get the new audience anymore. No. So the older audience is coming to see you. You're going to do the theaters. You're going to do the amphitheaters. You're going, And then, you know, when he came to Atlanta and I found out that Chris Brown was at an amphitheater. Yeah. Instead of a, instead of like a. In at the, least an arena. He didn't. He didn't. Phillips. What's the what's the arena in um uh where the Hawks play? Phillips Arena. Phillips Arena. Mm-hmm. He didn't even do Phillips. He did it amphitheater. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z and Beyonce on the on-the-run tour that's going on right now in the city near you, they go to Atlanta, they doing Mercedes-Benz. Yeah, no question. No, no question. question. That's 60, 70, 80,000 people. There's a shift. Oh the shift God, is there. Old. Yeah. That blows my mind. Yes, there is a generational gap between you, my music, yeah, your and music. And then me and... These yeah, things, but I think that, that I think from the from the little kids, if the music programs were still in the school, uh, it would, we would get better music. You think? I think that is a big chunk of it. Like I, a I believe big that wholeheartedly. Portion. I believe if they if they were taught to to play instruments the yeah. way we were, the music that they create yes. would it be would be a lot better. Like, how could you even put your fingers? On on what R and B is right now, oh, with so up. many people stand sounding. How like. would they even know what R and B is now? If someone came out, a lot of these dudes who are R and B singers end up rapping on a track. So now kids are probably like Omarion. You know what I mean? Well, mm-hmm. we we just talked about this. Like we can't name five R and B male singers right now, or groups, or groups. Or groups. <laughs> or groups. Or groups. Or groups. R&B, I'm here because of R&B. Give me your R&B groups that that you grew up on. I grew up with Silk. 
Okay. I grew up with Jodeci. Of course. I grew up with Playa. I don't know if you know about Static Major. Of course, Major. I know. Of course. Uh, Static Major, yes. rest in peace. He was incredible. I played Cheers to You. Oh, God. He's uh, an incredible writer and producer. You grew up with Subway. I grew up with Subway. 702. And I grew up with quirky R&B boy bands like right. Imagine and uh, All Summer Long. We've been the oh, kissing game. Right, 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 right. And uh, I so good. Not true. It's uh, high five. High five. High five. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that yeah. was my boy bands and R and B and feeling that. T- B2K so guy, was it. B2K so guy was my last. Was a generation band. ahead of you. Yes. Got mom and dad guy, were obsessed. I'll be with sure. That that was your father. Night and day though. By I'll be sure is a right. legendary song. But you, no, I had that was to, we had me. today. We had. I remember when Michael Bivens signed Boys to Men. I re- I remember that. I, I took, had the tail end of Boys to Men. I took for Boys sure. to Men. Into a Cliff Livingston's now Cliff Livingston Riviera was here in Chicago. Rick Mahorn had a a club in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and I took another bad creation and uh, Boys the Men there, and we filmed it for MTV. Yeah, so, so for real. That's what, so, so for, for real. Yeah, okay, that's your gender. That you my, see what I'm saying? I, so yes. with those amazing, talented groups that can sing, Silk, Shy, Boys the Men, Jodeci were bad boys at the time. We had Guy. We had Black Street. Where are those groups today? I remember B2K. And then B2K. after that, I can't even tell you what. There was a, a little small group of boys that Diddy put out with. They did the remix to All I Do Is Think Of You. Oh, yeah. Oh, Day man. Night. There was them. And then Diddy had the female and singing group. And then Diddy came, which is live. Right. Love me some Diddy. All right. Came. So the only thing I could compare to that for this generation would be Fifth Harmony. And they're not even and together. They're not right even now. together anymore. They're not even together. So what happened to the mm-hmm. to, to the soul? You know who's doing the soul is the white boys. Absolutely. What's his name uh, in the media right now? Sam Smith. Sam Smith. Adele. Adele. They're doing. They're, the white people are coming out and doing Justin Timberlake. Are we mad about that? Or can we be, if they're doing it, they're producing I'm, it. I'm not mad at it. If that's what you grew up on and that's what influenced you, if you if you really serious about it, I can't be mad at you for going towards something that naturally black people should be going towards, but they're <laughs> not because they want to be fucking cool to a yes, 14-year-old. And have a reality show. And Yeah, and, and get on a reality music. show. Because that's the only place we know them now. Mm-hmm. And then they say they're going to be, everyone on there is dropping a record from Jocelyn to fucking... Young Jock is going to come with another record. Lord. Everybody, did to Ray hear, J, to everybody. Did you hear about Drew Hill getting back together? But instead of the big member from Drew Hill. Jazz. They, jazz, they added Playa, the other two singers from Playa. So you know there was three of them. One was Static Major. He died. Yeah, so it, now peace. Drew Hill is this conglomerate of the two members left from Playa and Nico and... Cisco? Cisco. So Jazz and Woody are no longer in. I think one of them is. Who's Woody? Woody was the tall one that went left a long time ago and went gospel. Oh, okay. Well, so just Google it. They're coming back, and I'm wondering if it's going to be a hit. I feel like if they produce right and pull like Scott Storch or something, I feel like they could like really pull it off. I think you, I don't think you can ever count Ed, anybody when are you going to interview Scott Storch? I would love to. I need That would be like a lifelong I dream. I think we're going to have to go to Miami to do it, but I would love to. We had Brandy. We, uh-huh. we had Monica. You had yeah. Christina Aguilera. Britney. Britney Spears. Janet Jackson. Destiny's Child. 702, mm-hmm. SWV, mm-hmm. Brownstone. Brownstone. Jade. Remember Jade? Jade. Walk, walk away. away yeah. Jade and Brownstone, Ed, literally every day after school. There was a group called Black Girl that was out for what? a while. Um, Total. Total's it. How we forget about Total? Cut close. Cut close. We could go. We could do this all day. Yeah, we could. We really could. But we but can't do that happened, about today. Where is it? And why and and why don't they want to sing? <laughs> Are they out there? Because they're coming for each other, bro. It's it, they're probably coming. At, it's probably hard, Ed. It's so competitive. You got it, it's not only vocal standards now. It's your physicality, how beautiful you are. What do you bring into the table that's different? Are you emo? Are you weird? Are you heartbroken? Are you and and then you got to switch it up in a year because we don't like having the same artist. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's so hard. So it's, you're telling me that. This generation that's out right now 
is not fully invested in the artist. They're more invested in the song. And the trend, yes. And the trend. Boot up, and we ain't going to hear from LMA ever again. You don't think so? No. She just dropped a single, too, and I I ain't seen not one tweet, not one video, not one dance go viral, not one. Wow. And it makes me sad. See, why, why is it that you think Sierra ain't going anywhere? Because I think Beyonce is in the way. You think Beyonce has think, to do with I Sierra's think, success? Yes, yes. They just love Beyonce. And I think the problem with Sierra is, and I'm going to be honest, with Sierra, if you're listening to this, I hope that it inspires you, and I hope that you don't take this the wrong way. You are just as good as a dancer as Beyonce is. If, you are absolutely right. If not better, Sierra if is not a great better. dancer. You are a hell of a dancer. Vocally, you can't touch mm-hmm. B. So if you want to be on her level, you got to work on them vocals. And you need to be working consistently, daily, with one of the best vocal coaches that you can find to try to strengthen up your vocals. Because what happened to Janet Jackson was twofold. Britney Spears came out, which was a white Janet. Mm -hmm. Then Christina Aguilera, who's a better singer than Janet. Mm -hmm. And then Beyonce. Mm -hmm. And Beyonce is Janet Jackson, but to the 10th power. Mm -hmm. So you have to get the right producers. You got to pick the right songs. They have to be melodic songs. They have to push the envelope of something. And you have to, if you want to be on her level, you got to belt that shit out. You know who had it, but then they weren't the complete package and it went away. Brandy. Yeah, that was weird, though. She went left there for a while. But that fake marriage but is Monica still. Monica, vocally, every beast. She's gangsta as fuck. I love her. She could just pull up in some pink, blue hair and still have all the class in the world. I love how she takes care of her kids. She's not social media heavy, no. but she has a good social media account. Absolutely. I love Brady. Now, or could Monica. you imagine if Monica could dance half as good as Sierra? Monica don't care. I know Monica Monica's don't have to, like, but Monica's what? classic yeah, at this point. she is. She's Monica so was around since she was like, I met Monica, I think she was 17. No, but she has a good team behind her because she dropped this one song maybe two years ago that sampled... Um, these beats that like Wiz was using and Currency was using, mm-hmm. like she's real smart when it comes. Very to smart. That. Think about it. Look, Wiz is damn near old school. Oh my God, Wiz, Wiz Khalifa's old. If Wiz Ed, Khalifa's old school, that's a whole other podcast. You know, if, I could talk about Wiz for about two hours. If Wiz Khalifa is old school, then Snoop. And Wiz has had ancient. enough of a track record to be considered anybody's any school. He is. He's been around. Look I know he's been around. When did Black and Yellow had, come? That Black was the first was, one that blew up for him. No, bro. Wiz had a mixtape Wiz. You're talking about Radio Wiz. I'm radio talking about mixtape. You're talking about like Kush and Oranges. Yes. When was that? Deal or no deal? Like, oh, eight. Oh, right then. It's 18. <laughs> That's 10 years. Once you hit the 10-year mark, you are old school. Yeah. The young kids were 10 when Wiz came out. Jeez. They 20. They have, on something else. I bet they don't even know how good it felt when he dropped Kush No, they shoes. don't. They, they wasn't around. They were 10 this years old. I can't do this episode That's why anymore. the generational gap is there. And that's why, in my opinion, we don't need to fix the generational gap. You're not supposed to understand what yeah. they own. Leave it there. Just let them live. Let them live. Let them have their stars. Stop trashing their whole lifestyle. You're right. Because I, I have think been trashing we would it be, on Twitter. I think we would be better musicians from this generation. Absolutely. We put music back, back in, in the school. school. Bottom line, put music back put in school, Put music please. back in school. And every artist need to do something to help that go down. Amen. I went to see the On The Run tour this past Saturday night, and Beyonce had a female guitar player that was wailing. Oh, I love her and with her, the afro. Yeah, oh, she's and, the shit. And her bass player was a female. Yeah, I love that. When they that. did, um, I used to do a book like Bob Pierre. Mm-hmm. That woman came out and was thumping that bass man. It's been her guitarist for deck, like and the bass since, player. Yeah, for they a remind long me time. of a Taste of Honey back in the days. Oh my the, god, you remember Taste of yes. Honey? Remember the song Boogie Oogie? That was two feet. That yeah. was two, can we just throw a snippet of Boogie yes. Oogie again right here? Just check out the breakdown of Boogie Oogie Oogie. This is no more. Yes. this is two females, one on bass and one on guitar. If you never heard it, just we'll give you a snippet real quick. That's what I'm talking about. That's the, that's that shit right there. So females have always from Sheila E. Wow, percussionist, percussionist, extraordinaire, percussionist. beautiful yes. woman, man. Have always been dope. 
playing instruments. You got to put, we need that music back in the school system because the music gives people a sense of history and it gives you, when you have history, you respect shit. You You respect it. It's like when we came out with the throwback jerseys. A lot of us found out about a lot of these players like JoJo White playing for the Boston Celtics and Wes Unsell playing for the Washington Bullets because we got the jersey and we thought the colors was cool and it was fly shit, but we wanted to know who the player was. Though when you have music in school, you're forced to learn about music that came before you. Amen. And we're losing music and we're losing the respect of music because we're not teaching the kids about the music. And you nope. can't put it on the parents because... The way the economy has been up and down, a lot yeah. of parents are just struggling to put food on the table. Exactly. Absolutely. So I just wanted to say thank y'all, man, for checking out this podcast. I think the conclusion that Krista and I have come to is that there's a generational gap in music, and there needs to be a general ga- generational gap in music. We don't need to understand or love the music that the kids love nowadays the same way our parents didn't understand or love everything that we did, but we need to respect it. And the youngins out there, if you're listening, do your homework on some of the artists that came before you because those are the ones, excuse me, that paved the way for you to be where you are today. Those are the ones that sacrificed making money so that you can make money nowadays. Just respect it. That's all we ask for. Respect ours, we'll respect yours. I come out and I check out some of the shows so I can get a better perspective on who these young artists are. And some of y'all need to come out and not go, that's old head shit, and not disrespect being older because if God blesses you, you too one day will be old. And when you get older, you're not going to want somebody to disrespect you and to disrespect your era and where you come from. You're not going to want them to do that. And with that being said, I give you a little bit of, the God MC himself, Rakim. Take care of yourselves. This is Come On Son, the podcast, like I said, brought to you by CigarsInternational.com, produced by Krista Hayes, oversaw by Kimana Paulus, your host, Ed Lover. You can look me up. Yeah, I'm an old head. I'm still a cool old head, though. Remember, keep God first. Everything else will fall into place. We'll talk at you, with you, to you, and about your ass next Monday. Until the next time we ride together, slide together, laugh out loud together, Ed Lover, Krista, and Kimana saying God bless each and every one of y'all. Thank y'all for tuning us in and not tuning us out. Remember, I always give you the good shit and never the bullshit. Come on, son. Now get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out CigarsInternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co-executive producers Kimana Paulus and Krista Hayes. Recorded at Mean Street Studios in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast.